Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you're listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hapgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning to you, Redmond. Oh, good morning, Patrick. And you'd you'd like to say I'm relaxed after my holiday, but it was busy, busy, busy catching some beautiful marlin, mahi-mahi, couple of kingfish, Eden. is It lived up to its expectation that I have each and every year. We had a beautiful time up there. Uh, like I said, caught some magnificent fish is what we're there for, but I am back now. That that's that's south eastern seaboard of New South Wales. Yep. Is spectacular. And, yep. and it's it has had its fair share of bloody t- turmoil over the past eighteen months. Like people forget the the COVID has obviously affected everyone's lives in different ways. But before that there was fires. the fires that, you know, I still have that picture in my head of people um, all sitting underneath a, a jetty with it's it's pitch black, but it's middle of the day, and it, there's this insane. this <laughs> this glowing um, red light of fire that's moving down, you know that that coastline. Yeah, it is incredible to think that that was you know just over twelve months ago. Yet how quickly everyone seems to have forgotten. Was was that interesting driving through places where? It has been fire affected, and just how one quickly the environment can change, and you start to see, you know, the the green shoots. Well, that's what I was going through. to say. That, that I was amazed cool. by how green it is already. Like, yeah, yep. just it's it's just bounced back so quick. Obviously, not what it was, but yeah. But one one thing that threw me off a little bit was uh, it was actually a few probably a month ago now. Uh, Trapman Bermagui, uh, follow him on Facebook if you haven't. Fantastic page to follow has. When we're going to chat a little bit about some of his posts during the week. Some we are. people have caught, over the last couple of weeks, some massive sharks. And is it the right thing to do to keep these yes. big sharks? Is it not? Stay tuned for that conversation. We will be talking about that very soon, I think. And it is, uh, yeah, he had a photo of a beer and his dog in a window. And it was literally middle of the day. He said, same time, same date, blah, blah, blah. And it was literally, like you said, it was dark and orange, just horrible. And dog and his beer, and then he had the same thing photo that year. I'm like, that there was like a like, oh geez, like put shivers down it's your back. It's amazing, isn't like, it? Just yeah. horrible to see what it was like. But it's great now. I'm loving the support that's going to the east coast of uh, New South Wales, at southeast coast of Mallacoota. Like the amount of tourists that are, I spoke to a a, a fella that um, follows on Salt Guide, and he was down in Mallacoota the week before I went away, and he goes, mate, I could barely get a spot there. Like we rang up thinking it'd be vacant. He goes. It was booked out. He goes, it was the yeah, whole place, yeah. which is fantastic to see. So well done to everyone that's actually spending their money well, you, on their you holidays. You messaged me during the week, and you couldn't believe how the just the fishing reports around 
you don't have to go there to game fish because the reports no. of how good the fishing is in close, whether it be estuary or off the beach, everywhere is fishing so well at the moment. Whether that's that the the EAC that that current bringing down, you know the the tropical pelagic fish, but it's it's so much more than that at the moment. Oh, and like you said before about your, your fish species, the variety, like you said, from inshore to offshore to the reef system, whatever it is. It, that's the attraction that you and I have to go to places. Fishing's mm. a big part of it. It's probably 80% of it, to be honest with you, because that's what we like to do. That's our interest. But there's so many other things to do. Like, if you're into going into the rivers and fishing in the shore, like, in the, I'm, I'm going back to fishing, but into the creeks, you catch some monster flathead, big brim. If you want to go hiking up there, some awesome walks around there. You've got Boyd Tower around Eden. It's fantastic. You've got the, the waterfalls um, at the back. The museum around Killer Whales. Like, that's yeah, pretty it spectacular do it. It does in do itself. for me. No, I'm not happy with that. Gibbsy went to a, uh, a mate of mine, went to a Tasmania the other day, <laughs> and he went. He sent me a couple of Snapchats on, uh, he was in a museum, and it was, it was like a sex museum. It was weird as, like, it was like weird, like things on the wall. And I said to him, I'm not sure if you're meant to be on this grade five school excursion. That might be a, uh, might be a year 12 one. Like, I can't stand museum. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't give a rat's butt's dick about historic, history, anything historic. I can't care about it. Is that Is bad? I don't know, but I've really hit a nerve. Although I just wanted to talk about the, <laughs> the they got a good museum, the, Killer Whale Museum, the historical significance of it. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm not a historian, but historic person. Well, that's quite clear. You know, if I had the choice, I'm going to get stabbed on my way home from here. I'd knock Queenscliff down and start again. <laughs> I think it's ugly. Hey, you've, you've got to appreciate your history. No, we don't. We appreciate the future and what's to come. If you all dwelled on the past, we'd be like. Back to primary school when I used to be going there, grade four getting bullied for having red hair. Speaking of history, <laughs> actually, I was reading one of a, the boatsales.com.au's articles during the week and I had the top seven IGFA fishing records yep. held by Australians. And, and I found it quite interesting because I was, as I was sort of scrolling through it, um, it had record for it had record for, for gummy sharks and it dates all the way back to November 15, 1992. And the record for gummy sharks um, was a gummy shark caught in East Gippsland using 30 kilo line and it, it weighed in at 30.8 kilos. kilos. I know exactly one, how much it weighed. One metre 61. That's the biggest one ever caught. My biggest the gummy. The biggest one ever caught. My biggest gummy weighed is 44.5 kilo. Well, why did, why on 20-pound line. Why didn't you register it? Because I don't care about records. I don't care about history. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've woken up on the, I'm not in Eden. I've woken up on the wrong side of the bed. Dude, uh, no, I, I, I've caught, not just myself, that record's been smashed by a lot of people. Let's put it out there. Me especially. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's why I wanted I'm to not because I knew you would react like I'm this. not into the older... I'm actually not into the uh, records and the uh, IGFA at this point in time. I reckon when young Finn get, grows up a little bit, when he starts to get some his first male and his first barrel, I reckon I'll have an interest. For me, I don't have an interest at all, but I reckon for Finn... Do you think that's because people's views on keeping fish versus releasing has changed over time? Because no, I, I try and stay out of the politics of fishing. No, but I'm just saying... Yeah. Like, and you're seeing people care less for... Yeah, they're happy to get a photo for, for social media, but they're not necessarily caring about the ego of having the the largest black marlin ever caught. For those that are interested in the largest <laughs> black marlin, it was 600 kilos um, caught in 1977. That makes my... Uh Makes my cans. small 150 kilo stripes during the week. Well, not even 150. That makes my stripes small. But has, no, has I, that 600 kilos? It's not even... 
Yeah, it's massive. <laughs> of course, did you say Cairns? Caught off Cairns? Caught off Cairns. It's the only place it would be caught, I think, Patrick. But uh, there is some, like, the records out there. Like I said, it's if you are into your records and go out there and target them, a lot of people, like, I like the guys that go out and do the line class records. Yep. So, like, they go target snapper on, for instance, two-pound line, and I think that's a good challenge. Yeah, I agree. Rather than getting, like, your big barrels, your 150 kilo, I'm not interested in that. It just doesn't... I keep a fish purely because I want to catch it and if someone wants to eat it, they can have it. Otherwise, it gets let go. It's for the enjoyment of actually catching it and letting it go if be. Uh, but like I said, when Finn gets a bit older and if he has a chance of getting a record, we might have a crack at it. Let's get to your week in fishing. It's been a little bit subdued for you. You haven't really targeted the, the tuna. I think you've sort of had your oh. fill of big game fish. You've, you've, you've been a bit of meat and potatoes. It's been <laughs> really good whiting numbers um, and really good flathead numbers. Yeah, the uh, whiting good uh fantastic we're going to get a bit harder as this moon approaches a bit more but as it goes away they're going to be in big numbers the flathead up the top of the island pat keep talking about it you're going to have them for another good month and oh i um i had a guy actually abuse me on social media something different not (laughs) about keeping 40 flathead the other day and i just happened to take photos of the times of the meals that we had for the week just like sending to people flathead i'm having it again yep i legit Kari and I had 16 bits of flathead the first night because they're not they were not the monster not flathead no and Finn actually had four pieces of not bigger he ate four of them and so Kari and I like I had six pieces Kari had six the next night we did tacos with them which we ate not as many and then the next night her parents come over they wanted flathead so we did it again that whole 40 was gone in three nights and I cop- didn't even get a chance to freeze them <laughs> so they are the best eating fish in the sea if you ask me so if you do want to get out on the bay it's great fun it's very consistent fishing Go find a sandbar, anchor up with your burly, your lead cage, get it down to the bottom where the flathead live, burly hard, and that there is going to basically attract uh, attract the flathead too. A little bit of bycatch here and there, but it's definitely well worth uh, well worth doing if you want to go out there and get a feed of fish with the family and keep them busy. One of the questions that we've had on our social club, um, and we're going to elaborate on it a bit more, so rather than delve it, delve into it on the social club is around launching and retrieving it. It's something that we often say you could make a a sitcom or you could literally run Australia's Funniest Home Videos by setting up a camera at a boat ramp. Uh, The issues that you see every day. Oh, It's to the stage where I don't actually blame... I I blame some people for common sense not getting used, Patrick, but I actually blame uh, how we get our boat licences. If you go to get your boat licence, your car licence, you've got to do, I guess, say three... uh, three lessons with an instructor most people do and then you've got to do 120 hours of driving as a learner yep. and then you have to go do a road test and you're sitting next to someone with that 120 Which hours intimidating as well you're next to mum and dad and you're, you're learning about you're getting how taught to how to do it that's yep. right and we're on a car and then you do the car which is a test you're concentrating because you're intimidated by the don't get me wrong when you're 18 going for your license you're you're packing your jocks let's put it that way because the instructor's next to you watching everything you do now I think that is an issue with uh, getting your boat license out of a wheat box box. I don't think it and and the reason that I've 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 popped this on the run sheet today is during the week I've seen a lot of on social media of Basically, the boat ramps are as busy as they've ever been this time of the year. And they're only going to get more busy. Yes, they are. Because and we've seen there is no Melbourne boat show this year, and it's not because of COVID. It's because dealers do not have enough stock. That, that you couldn't have said it better. That, that they do not have anything to show people. We spoke about it a month ago. Dealers have got people coming into purchase boats and the dealer is literally, their, their response is, we don't have any on the floor at they the moment. Don't. You know, this one's uses our demonstrator. 
and they're offering ten grand above retail <laughs> just to walk it off the floor. Like it's an it's it's astonishing to see how strong a position that the market is at the moment. So there's there's never been more people on the water. You, and like you just said there. The, the boat market, the money, the dollars that's like it's been put up on uh, second-hand boats, instead of being a 30-grand boat, they're now 50 grand. It so is. It's, it's and crazy. And the caravanny market and the like, it's, we've, we've this seen is it, COVID. We've seen it with Suzuki full-wheel drives. Yeah, they're, everything. They're <laughs> literally, car yards, instead of selling them new, they're selling them used and adding an extra five yeah, grand insane. on the little jimmies. And anyway, we'll go back to what we were going on about here with your, your boating. You need to be smarter at boat ramps, Pat. Is be, like, what I'm seeing is stuff that can be avoided with just pure common sense. Now, for instance, Queenscliff, you pull up and you stop before you get to the ramp. You take your straps off, you turn your batteries on, you take your engine mount out, whatever you want to do, you need to do, you do that. You don't go up the ramp and stop on the ramp and then spend your three minutes undoing your straps before you reverse in, you're blocking the guy behind you. Because if you've been waiting in line for an hour, an hour already at Queenscliff, that extra 10 minutes, that's an hour 10 now, if three of them do it, it's an extra an hour and 30 minutes. So all of a sudden, you're an hour and a half instead of an hour. It's a pain in the backside. So get your boat ready before you go into the actual bit itself. When you Boat catch, we did a review last week uh, about boat catch. Boat catch is something fantastic. If you do want to listen to any of our podcasts, download the Real Adventures app. You can find all of our shows on there. It'll be in your hand, on your phone, or any smart device that you do have. So boat catch, fantastic option to have. Also helps things being quicker. Now, when you get it off the uh, off the boat, I'm not going to go into off too. I'm sorry. I'm not, before I go into that with your mirrors, try and use your mirrors as much as possible. But the problem with using your mirrors is people don't turn their lights off in the morning. So make sure you turn your lights off in your car when you are reversing your boat down, so the bloke in front of you can reverse down because mirrors can be a pain in the backside when you can't actually see out of them. So turn your lights off during the night. Uh, your depth, I like to give you an example, is your front guard. So where your where your trailer guard goes down and every guard basically flicks forward. There's like a step on each side of it. When that goes under, that's just an example of where you want your boat. But it's about parking on the pier too. When you park it on the pier, as you come in with your nose towards the pier, you then go out of gear into reverse, out of gear, slip it into reverse, and just tap reverse a little bit, not too hard, and that'll straighten you up so nicely next to the pier. You can do it slow so you learn, and slow is the key. But when you tie up, don't have your, have your fenders already ready. You don't need to spend 10 minutes, and then people can't get in and out, especially on these busy days. When you are putting it back on yourself as well, when you tie your ropes, you've half hitches, so wrap around the cleat like five or six times, and then just one half hitch. Therefore, you're not spending an extra minute to two minutes. You've got to remember, all this adds up. All of a sudden, you're at 15 minutes untying knots. When you're driving your boat on, nearly every trailer these days, is, I don't reckon I've seen one that isn't drivable to drive onto your trailer. They're all bloody good these days. I've obviously used the easy tow. I hit my trailer, I drive up, clicks into the boat catch, and I pull out. So basically, what I'm trying to say is, Let's be smarter at the ramps and uh, and stop causing havoc for everyone because re- some of the arguments that we're seeing in Melbourne is disgusting. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for the Social Club where we take your questions from social media. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you shoot it through to us and we'll do our best to get back to you. The first question is from Brett, first question from you. Can I stop tapping the table with my hand? So I'll put your jumper in front of me so I can't do it. We're trying to run. I apologise. We're trying to run a professional show and you're belting the table. There's no one at the door to get in, mate. All right, let's go. Sorry. 
Brett McInnes. Hey, Red, I was out on the weekend targeting kingfish. Yep. I spent 11 hours on the water for a big donut. Ooh. What are your thoughts on targeting kingfish with an easterly wind and also a full moon? Do either of these factors affect the kingfish bite, in your opinion? I hate fishing for kingfish. Can I just add that in before we start? I hate fishing the full moon. They're, 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 like, they're pricks. You, you spend a huge amount of time on the water. Yep. Really understand the conditions, understand the fish. For those that don't spend big hours catching kingfish and want to catch them, they can be one of the biggest pains in the ass to try and, and, and catch because you spend so much time trying to find them and even if you find them it's one thing to then boat one and you often talk about once you hook them you've actually got to leave it in the water to hook more to hook more but then you know you risk losing the fish because you're excited to get it in you haven't caught one before you've spent the last three trips with donuts and you want to get one in so talk to us about full moon and then also that easterly wind. Yeah, so that easterly wind hasn't played any role in it. It's actually probably my favourite time to chase kingfish. The reason I say that is quite often when we have an easterly wind, or northeasterly wind, say, it's going to be warm weather. So during the summer, we have a lot of easterlies, which is northeasterlies, east, north, northeasterlies, southeasterlies in the afternoon. During the winter, we have a lot of westerlies and southwesterlies, and that's where our cold weather tends to come from as well. So the easterly wind generally also means that we don't get swell as well. We quite often don't have swell on the easterly winds. The swell comes obviously with the southwest wind. That tends to be where our uh, swell always comes from. So that easterly hasn't played a role. That and um, we obviously got this message maybe a couple of weeks ago because we do get a hell of a lot of mess- a hell of a lot of messages to go through. Now that full moon is a prick of a moon. They are a shocking time to fish. People will tell you it's the best. I'll give you the tip right now. Any tackle store report that says the full moon's good. Tell them to come do the next 10 full moons with me and I'll prove to them and it's not. So it is shocking. It's a shocking time to fish. There is no tidal flow and that is the reason you haven't caught fish. It is just crap. And if you did see people get a few fish, that's fine. A few fish on a full moon isn't a lot of fish off a moon. So you've got to be mindful and smart on uh, your moon system. If I had been fishing that day, that 11 hours you did, you've pretty much fished all day, but I would have been smarter on it and I would have smarter about it and I would have targeted that afternoon bite on that bigger outgoing tide. That's what I would have done. You might have done that, but that's how I would have uh, spent my day and hoping to catch something on the full moon. Tim O'Leary, when trawling lures, how do I know how deep they dive once I've thrown out the box? (laughs) Cheers, Tim. Well, if you put a Rapala 20 down, doesn't that mean 20 metres, 20 well, feet? It, it does. You can. Most lures have a marking, at whether it be at the front of them or on the bib or where the lure attaches at the back of the lure, and that'll give you an indication of how far they deep dive down. If they don't, one of the things that that, that always told me to do was literally just to try and inscribe it if there was no marking, just so you get a bit of an idea. And that was more particularly when we fish, when we fish sort of freshwater um, environment. So little scribe it underneath the, the belly of the lure so you've got a bit of an indication redmond yeah you can jump onto rapala's they have a fantastic rapala website and they give you your depth charts with your speed so it also comes down to your speed that you're traveling at too you quite often find the slower you go the now this sounds a bit dumb because it, 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 your lure will pull out of the water when you go really fast but if, for instance, if you put that diver just in the water when you're in gear that diver will just sit under the water doing this pat it'll just be ticking away at the side of the boat where if you go faster, it'll pull harder and try and rip down it'll deeper. Rip. Yep. That's right. So the divers depend on the size that you've got. You've obviously got 15s, you've got, 10, well, you've got 10s, you've got 15s, 20s, 30s, and you've got your real big ones. So it depends on uh, what size Rapala you're using. But 
I match my Rapala not necessarily on the depth. You've got to remember when you're chasing tuna, quite often when they're feeding, they're feeding a lot of the time when you're going to catch them, sorry, they are feeding that top column of the water. So anything from a couple of metres down to the top is, well, I'm getting all my fish on surface lures and plastics quite high up. So what I'd be thinking about it is matching that, that actual diver to the bait in itself. So if I'm off Portland, I'm chasing barrels and I look over the side and there's a heap of red bait that's 25 centimetres long, I'm going to run a slightly... I'm not going to run a size 10 Rapala. I'm going to be going to run a 30. So I'm going to run something bigger again. So it depends on where you're fishing, what the bait size is, and what actual species you're targeting on itself. Uh, next question is from Steve B. Danger. You launch off the beach when you fish at home. Do you reduce your air pressure in your tyres each time you launch and retrieve? Never, to be totally honest <laughs> with you. No. For- that one time when you rang me at Aries car park when I was there getting coffee, is abusing me because you were stuck. Get in. <laughs> well, we all have that story of when you... you oh, no, I've got I always a, say, couple. like Dad and I always talk about, we're not going to launch on an incoming tide. We're not going to launch on a really high incoming tide. And then when the day is perfect and it's like, you know, oh, we'll just risk it, it'll be fine. And then you get stuck and you've got a high incoming tide and not much beach to work with. <laughs> You end up cursing yourself. But but traditionally, no. We've got tracks in the back of our car. Once again, we've done a... Maxi uh, tracks. You're maxi tracks. Yep. yep, we've done a Reds review on this and you can catch all of our Real Adventures episodes and the breakdown of our um, of our different segments on our Real Adventures app um, or wherever you down or wherever you get your podcasts, rather. Um, so I, I've been more inclined to do that. It's really important now when with, with new cars that you turn off your traction control. That can be a bit of a... A, a, Get you into trouble. a stumbling block there yeah, that people think I'll, I'll just turn my four-wheel drive into four-wheel drive and yep away we go no worries and I'll be fine to launch off the beach that way so there's a little bit to it but I haven't been one to really reduce the air pressure because we know the conditions pretty why, well why can't fish. you why can't you launch on a high tide for those that are listening at home we just have so little beach room yep. for where I launch at Spout Spout Creek my, if you've got beach room you, then you're sweet but literally the, the water will run into the cliffs or yep. you know the, the car park so we, we don't have any room we have to go straight into really really um, not not dry sand but um, it's soft it's, it's really boggy and soft yeah so that's why we've always been really reticent to sort of do it that way Peter Carver boys what's the best way to rig live squid for kingfish yeah Good question because it is uh, the one of the best baits you can get. You can catch uh, one of the best baits you can use to catch kingfish. And uh, you get two types of squid, Pat, as we know. You got the calamari and the arrow squid. The arrow squid's your offshore squid. It tends to be. You get the odd ones in the bay. Uh, for instance, if you're out chasing, uh, if you're out chasing uh, off Marlow, for instance, you're probably not going to catch your calamari. You're going to more catch your arrow squid. Where if you're inside the uh, inside Portfolio Bay, going to target the rip, you're going to catch your calamari, and how you rig them up is I like to rig them up with a snelled rig and set my live bait to the size squid I'm going to catch. Uh, sorry, my hooks to the size squid I'm going to catch. Now, what I mean by that is the I've running my, say, 9.0 live bait gamma hook at the top and same as this rig is a snapper. I run them quite long so, this, so it's away from the swivel, probably 1.2 to 1.6 depending on... Uh, but you've got to remember when you get that fish up to the boat, it's hard to get the net or gaff into them because they are a distance away from that swivel. Yep. So that's why I do like to run... I do like to run it further so it has a more natural swim in the water. And you're pinning the snelled hook. So the snelled hook is your top hook. You're pinning that through the top of the hood, so right through the top. And your second hook, which you've sort of set approximately for the size of the squid that you're going to catch... We'll go just, you can put it into the head if you really want to, 
but I often go on the inside body, so not on the top of the squid underneath, and I go just basically where its shooter is, where it shoots its ink out of, just in, on the outside of that, through once, and back out through the other side, so it's exposed. And I have one hook facing north, I guess, and one hook facing south if you're holding the squid flat on a bait board. And that's how one sits one way, one sits the other way, and if the Quite often you'll have it. The, the, quite often they will eat the squid. You'll be hooked on the top hook anyway because they'll eat the whole thing in one hit. And like I said, the key to it is when you do your snelled rig, make sure that I run three rods at the top, always rigged, because sometimes I've got a squid, say, the long as your forearm there, then I might have one same size as your hand, and they all have different sizes on them. I know if I know that I'm in Portfolio Bay and going to the island and I'm going to be catching smaller squid, I then tend to just run smaller rigs, but if you are running your bigger squids, which a kingfish will eat a big squid. So that there is pretty much uh, your tip on uh, rigging up some live squid, Patrick. And that wraps up the social club. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you shoot it into our Real Adventures social pages or better yet, download our Real Adventures app. All aboard for Dometic. Everything you need for adventures, big or small. Mobile living made easy. Dometic. Time for All Aboard for Dometic, everything you need for adventures, big or small. Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Our special guest this morning is one of our all-time favourites. He is the host of iFish, one of Australia's longest-running fishing programs, and without doubt is he is Australia's most well-known uh, fisherman. I speak none other than Paul Worsling. Good morning, PW. Good morning, lads. I tell you what, that was a tyre pump-up. Thank Mate, you very much. Mate, I tell you what, I'm sitting here, and that was definitely not on my script. I've got a lot of bad things to say. I am just waiting, Aaron, to pull him down a bit because <laughs> we spent a little bit of time, probably a month ago, we uh, we travelled to Blake's entrance, Paul and I, to meet a new um, distributor for Real Brand to help us with manufacturing and, and just reaching more people. And we got into a bit of a, a conversation about AdBlue, so for those, that- oh, I reckon I know where this is actually. I actually don't know this story. I got a feeling I know where this is going though. So, so we, you know, Paul's got this beautiful new Silverado. It's it's gorgeous, Paul. Say it's saying it's not going to start up, Paul. Like you buy a car and you don't even know how to use it. <laughs> is this true? Patrick, uh, now my tyres are definitely deflated. Uh, <laughs> there was a little issue with that blue. I'd never added blue to a car before. I put a heap in before I left home. It did. The computer wasn't saying it was in there. And then Patrick jumped out of his Ford Ranger and actually had a Superman cape on as he flew towards me. And he said, oh, I know Ad Blue. And I won't tell everyone why you know Ad Blue, Patrick. But yes, <laughs> I was about to say, there's a hero. story here. <laughs> not, not all superheroes wear capes. Let's just say that. He thinks, and, he, he, thinks he does. And, and where you don't put Ad Blue, I'll give everyone a free tip at home. <laughs> you do not put it in the fuel filler. Because if you do, you will destroy a engine. Which I you. actually had to pick you up and take you to Melbourne that time after you did it. We had yeah. a meeting, a thing in Melbourne, and I said, why? And he goes, oh, I'll tell you on the way there. Anyway, I, I just, just come back to me. Anyway. We've totally destroyed the intro to the great <laughs> Paul Worsling. Paul, now we cannot wait for iFish this coming year. It's obviously been an incredibly challenging period um, for everyone right through 2020, but one of the you know, the most important parts about your show is travelling to different and exciting places right around the world. Now, that has obviously been disrupted and will be for the foreseeable future. How has iFish adapted over the, the last sort of few months, particularly when borders have opened and shut, um, you know, within the matter of hours? It's obviously been a real challenge for you. Yeah, it's definitely been an interesting one. And what, what COVID has taught us all is that there's 
there's always another way to skin that cat. And uh, I was going to Port Stephens, and that got cancelled due to weather. And then the next day, they had that outbreak there. And had I been there, I would have got stuck and had to quarantine. So that worked out well. I'd organised a big trip to Port Lincoln, probably put 100 hours of time into it. I packed all my bags, which takes about 10 hours to get all the gear you need for everything. Had them sitting at home. I flew to Tassie for a birthday party. Tom was going to pick me up at the airport. Port Lincoln got closed overnight, so that trip went down the chute. Um, it's been interesting. I was lucky enough to get into Tasmania in amongst it all and caught the biggest King George Whiting in the world, pretty much, up to 62 centimetres, which was huge. And uh, I've got some other little trips planned now. But what it's been, what has been so good is that I've got to fish my backyard and do some incredible stuff on snapper, on whiting, on platties, on tuna, all the stuff around here. Um, it's just been so good, and I get to now show the whole world how incredible Victoria is, so I'm pretty proud of that too. Obviously, a big part about what you do is is going to different areas, but it's also fishing off boats. You, you're running two boats at the moment. You've got an Extreme 795 and a 605 Centre Console. Whilst we talk about fishing in your backyard, let's focus on the 605 Centre Console. It's a beautiful little boat, and when it comes to being incredibly easy to use, easy to launch, you can go out, have it launched within you know five minutes and all of a sudden you're, you're fishing Black Rock or wherever it might be. You're obviously from, from the coast over on the Mornington Peninsula side. It's a really easy boat to, to take Jet out and Christy out for a fish um, off the back of let's go fishing and all of a sudden you can be there doing it. And look, I think it is an absolute luxury to have two boats. I'm very fortunate, but uh, on Saturday I woke up come downstairs, Jet said, let's go diving, let's go diving. And within half an hour, we had the little boat off Mornington. We were, we were spearfishing for three hours, catching some pretty cool stuff. And then you get it in and it literally is the hose it down and you're done. It's so easy. One of the cool things about it is I asked the team at GFAB who built the trailer to put an extendable drawbar on it. So you pull a pin out and the drawbar extends by 1.8 metres for, for beach launching, Murray River launching, all that sort of stuff. Uh, it's just stuff. Well, so I modified a few things. I put a beautiful casting pad on the front of it, a, a lean bar. Uh, yesterday, the team was over fitting a new hummingbird sounder to the, to the bow. It literally is the boat, an hour and you fished offshore, and it really is the boat that can do everything, which is pretty rare. Now, I have been fortunate enough to fish on both boats with Paul, and uh, let's be honest, it doesn't matter what brand, what company, whatever it is. I'm not a centre console person. I did. <laughs> I, if Paul's going to pick me up, you bring that 7-9 Game King that you've got, please, even if we are in the Malakuta River or wherever we are. Because I, I, I uh, not yeah, not the most favourite centre console, but no, it was a good boat. We got some beautiful tuna in it, didn't we, Paul? The, uh, off, off Barwon Heads there. We filmed a nice episode there for iFish. But your 7-9-5 Game King, that's my sort of boat, Paul. Uh, take us through that boat. Why this, Why such a big boat? And Because uh, it, it is a big boat. Like you said, you've got the big truck now to tow it. Why such a big boat? It is an amazing boat and an extremely good platform to fish out of. It is amazing. I'll tell you what a snobby is, Pat. I took him out tuna fishing in the centre console. <laughs> and when the episode goes to air, you'll notice in the third break, suddenly we're in a 795 game. <laughs> uh, we actually had to swap, swap boats because Aaron was going to have a mutiny on the bounty. I'll, um, ta- I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, the 795 Game King, seriously, I was lucky enough to go to Pakatani, uh, which is the town over there in New Zealand where they built Hold it. Hold on a sec. Paul, and- we need to put a beeper in there. What did you say? Sorry. Uh, it's Fakatani, <laughs> yep. and it's, it's actually spelt with a W-H. It's very weird, um, but a beautiful part of the world. I did not want to get into a boat unless I'd actually been in it. 
and tested it in rough conditions. I think too many people buy boats off a showroom floor. I was lucky enough to go out in the Game King and I, I, I remember running back in where they were building them. Just before I left, I ran in and stood in it one more time and I just went, wow, this is the only boat I can physically have because I got to pick from the lineup. And uh, it's about 50 centimetres wider than the, the standard boat. It's got a beam of 2.8 metres. Huge. And it is just, it's everything. Like, Red, you were, you were on there. Like, to be able to climb up on the roof and stand on the tower, to be able to spot fish, to be able to cast poppers off the bow with the sea deck. Um, I had six people on the boat on the weekend in the bay and never once did you turn around and bump into someone. It is just that roomy, it's ridiculous. Now, I've got to ask you a question. You can actually go, you can option this boat with a single engine or you can go with twins. Why have you gone with twin yummies? Uh, that's a really good question. And uh, someone actually nailed me at the, at the boat ramp the other day and asked the same question. Twins, there's a couple of reasons. One, it looks damn good. It looks <laughs> um, and I think, and I think as, as my dad used to say, Pat, if you can't play football, at least get your socks up high and look like a footballer. So I'm not the best fisher in the world. I've got to look good. Um, having the twins, I, I did have an instance in the last few years where I did have a motor malfunction and I was offshore and literally my second motor got me in safe and I think that's a huge plus. So those two engines also have counter-rotating props, which means the props in opposite directions and what that gives me is the ability to drive the boat and steer the boat with the throttle so i don't need to use the wheel i actually did a test where i drove from port Phillip bay all the way into martha cove up the channel and docked the boat at the pier without touching the steering wheel and now, i reckon that is so cool now not only cool i think i think the boat that size we'll call it eight meters an eight meter boat of that size and even paul when you come over to pick me up in queenslip and the likes getting around marinas can be extremely different, difficult to move big boats, especially with a single engine or if you don't have counter-rotating props. Now, that would make a hell of a lot of difference when you're parking that boat in the marina there, wouldn't it? And especially getting it off the trailer and you've got boats in summer. You can spin it around in the, on, on the spot in the actual boat ramp area itself and get yourself out of a situation if, for instance, you were drifting with the wind. 100%. And because it's got such a big cab and such a big size, you get 10 knots of breeze. It's like a sail. Yep. So to be able to... To be able to just tick the, tick the bum around or tick the nose around, uh, the difference is just unbelievable. I've got to say, it was a bit daunting getting this boat at first, like getting in the other driveway, getting into the shed. It's a big weapon, but you just take your time and go slow. There's so many advantages when you actually get on the water that it is definitely worth it. And uh, those counter-rotators, even on my old boat, I didn't have counter-rotating props. You could actually feel the boat sort of getting screwed around and feeling like it wanted to lean to one side. Yep. Whereas this thing, it just goes like a dream. There's, there's no hum, there's no noise from the engines. And then, of course, you've got the trim tab, so I can do whatever I want with the nose, which is pretty good. Paul, what can we look forward to with iFish over the next few weeks? And what's something that you're looking forward to filming this year that you've got in the pipeline? Uh, a little, he's looking forward to just your little mate sitting next to you now. There's a little episode of Paul and I on there, I think, yeah, coming up. Have yeah, you. There's a little episode coming up. That's what you should be well, looking forward to. It might, it might be the episode with Aaron and I'll give you the tip. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, look, it's, a, it's a really good stuff. One of my favourite little episodes coming up this Sunday where I was down at Malakuta fishing for flat and it was blowing 40 knots and I was keen to film something before I come home. So we stopped in at the Snowy River and in three hours just caught monster brim one after the other in ridiculous, horrible weather. But it just goes to show when life when life gives you lemons, you can make lemonade if you think about your fishing. And um, I'm just trying to do more stuff where, even when I'm by myself, just trying to teach people the basics and get them excited to go fishing. But from a, from a long-term perspective, I'm just excited to get these boats into state. I'm really keen to take the big boat across to Western Australia and do a three-week road trip, uh, visiting some of the places I know so well and 
maybe hit up Exmouth and get a few miles out of it and also just to get into Sydney and then maybe hit north. And I want to do those trips where you literally hop up and down the coast as you guys have done in the past, a different port every second night and just meeting different people doing fun stuff. And when you do that out of your own boat with your own tools of the trade, I think it just feels a hundred times better than stepping on a charter boat. I am available that week. You go to WA too, so just give me a call. <laughs> no dramas at all. Happy to help. <laughs> We're looking forward to those adventures. Paul Worsling, host of iFish. And if you want to catch up on any iFish episodes or better, you can actually also subscribe to the iFish TV YouTube site as well. PW, thank you so much for joining us this morning, talking about iFish TV, but also the boats, the boats in which make the magic happen. Red's review for Club Marine. Insure your boat with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Call and ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. Now it's time for Red's review for Club Marine and Patrick. I've passed the baton over your, to yourself today because you do love your little uh, products and your reviews, especially when we're talking about the Dometic product that is on range. There's a hell of a lot of products on that website. Take us through what you're talking about today. Talking about the Dometic slide-out kitchen. Now these are an expensive item. They're starting at around three grand, but they really are a must for every RV. Now. What we've seen over the past six months, we've seen a caravan industry that, that has struggled a bit to all of a sudden, you, <laughs> cannot, you cannot find a caravan. You can't get them in dealerships. It, it has become extremely popular to get back out and experience Australia again, which is great to see. Now, one of the things that we love whilst we're out camping, and it's an integral part about enjoying any camping adventure, and that's cooking, and this is where the Dometic Slide-Out Kitchen uh, really comes into its own. It's got a three-burner cooktop. It's also got a sink, um, and it's got great built-in um, storage as well. So it all sits in one really compact unit. It'll slide out for, for easy use, and then it slides back into the compartment where you store it um, so it doesn't get in the way and also protects it from being knocked around. So, so you, you reckon you could... Uh Use these, use that on, for instance, like a, uh, I guess, a tray. Like if you buy, say, a Land Cruiser and have a tray on the back, could you set this up on a Land Cruiser? Absolutely, you could. Yep, it's all customizable. So the same for the same reason that you buy it to put on a caravan, yep. or to put on a camper, um, or to put on an RV, you can use it in the exact same way, and you can install it like they do slide outs on any um, full drive. So they are expensive. But you pay for what you get when it comes to quality items, and this is no doubt one of those. For more information on Dometic's slide-out kitchen, head to dometic.com.au. That was Red's Review. We'll see you after the break. That was Red's Review for Club Marine. Need insurance for your boat or jet ski? Get a quote from Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Call or search Club Marine to find out more. Ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. Red's tip for Go Fish Nagambi. For your chance to win, head to gofishnagambi.com.au. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's tip. Yeah, Patrick, it's one of those ones that I think this is really crucial to having a boat and it's the position of your lights now your led lights is a must these days i don't think anyone else has any other what, do you, what were those old school lights called not halogen what are they called i can't even think 
I don't yeah, know. we'll call them orange lights. <laughs> <laughs> no one uses orange lights anymore. They're all the LEDs. How how technical oh, are we getting with this show? I think that's why people listen to us is because we <laughs> it's reality. It's bringing things down back to earth. <laughs> I agree. Everyone everyone knows what you mean when orange old lights. Everyone, all right, LEDs. <laughs> LEDs are extremely important to having a boat, especially when you're traveling at night. Now, what I mean by this is the reason we're going to be talking about under the gunnels is because we're going to talk about traveling at night. That's the key word. Now, you don't want to have lights that reflect into your cabin. You don't yeah. want to have that. So you when, want a dim light, don't you? Dim. You, you want to be. You a, can notice it, but it's it's not obstructing your view when you want everything to be dark, especially around your face and that sort well, of thing. Well, when you're travelling, for instance, in my North Bank, and if I chuck the spotlights on and have the boys at the back deck working going out of the creek at Queenscliff at night, it's actually bloody hard to see out the front just from the natural um, reflection off the clears and the lights on. So what I've done in my boat, and I think you're going to do in your boat, which you would have done, is I've got LED lights under the actual gunnels, like in the side pockets up under the gunnels. So the boys can still do their work on the deck, but the lights are pointing down onto the ground, not reflecting up onto my my face. And I can travel with these on and comfortably see at the front of my boat. So when you do get your lights, make sure you get them uh, positioned really, really well. Something Wayne's done on his his 1850 uh, Fisher, on his uh, Stabycraft, is he's actually put LED strip lighting along the back of his bait board pad. So instead of having his spotlights, which get you in the eyes when you turn around, he's actually put spotlights around the back of his bait board, which reflect over the top of his rods. It looks really good. It looks as well. it's fantastic. Yeah. And he so he he can uh, fish of a night and without having and see his rods without having turning around the spotlights in your eyes, which can be a pain in the backside. So you've got. The options of spotlight. You got also the options of having them on the back of your uh, on the back of your bait board if you've got a decent bait board, and you've also got the options of having uh, on the front of your boat a light that goes forward. Now, what I mean by light that goes forward is a light that actually uh, you've got a spotlight that goes that that you can use to look for uh, in Western Port, for instance. Gwen example, he's got lights all over the front of his boat. And that's for the fact that he travels there and only everybody fourth lo- fourth poles lit up, Pat, where I don't really have that in Port Phillip Bay. They're all lit up. But you can't drive with that spotlight on normally in water because you can't see when you're travelling at night either. The water By having a spotlight on the water, is not like having your headlights on on a car. It reflects. It doesn't do any justice. So travelling without any lights is the ultimate way to go about it. That was Red's tip for Go Fish Nagambi. Win 80k cold hard cash. Enter now at gofishnagambi.com.au. It's time for the flying gaff. That was Red's tip. And after seeing a couple of 300 kilo sharks caught and killed uh, over the last few weeks, it begs the question. And Trapman Bermagui, who we love following, is fantastic for those uh, at home that want a, a great fishing site to follow on the socials. Trapman is sensational. Um, but there's been a, a 340-kilo mako caught off Port Hacking. It was a 394-tiger shark caught as well. And a 394-kilo tiger shark. The first one, the mako, it's a beautiful shark, and at that size, the amount of mercury in it, I wouldn't be eating it. Nope. And when it comes to the tiger shark, who's going to eat a 400-kilo tiger shark anyway? Then time even worse with mercury and pneumonia, the pneumonia that goes through it too. Yeah. It, for me, it just speaks to ego rather than we all love catching these these beasts, animals, beasts, sharks. Keep it. Release it. Let someone else enjoy the fun of, of chasing one, but let it go. All it does is take another beautiful fish out of the sea that we all love seeing, we love catching, most of all, we, we love enjoying it. I'm on both sides of the fence there. I 
I probably I definitely wouldn't have kept the tiger, uh, but I definitely I probably would have kept the mako. Uh, I would have had a go at trying to eat it. I've never eaten one that big before, but I would have had a go at it. I would have done things properly. I would have bled it properly. I would have frozen it, and then I would have let it floor out before I ate it to let the mercury settle and everything like that to give it a go. Uh, I think that's what I'd do. I'm not in the boat at the moment. I'd probably get it alongside and be shit scared of it because <laughs> it's so big. But I don't know. I'm on the fence with the mako, but the tiger I definitely would have released. You've been listening to Real Adventures. Thanks for joining us this morning. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91